Good morning. Oh, it's wonderful to see you all this morning. So glad that you're here. If you are watching online or listening in the parking lot, we are glad that you're here as well. And we want to wish everyone a very happy Valentine's Day. We do hope that you know how much that you are loved, that you don't go through this life feeling alone, feeling unloved, because you are loved. Even if you don't know it, even if you don't realize that there is a God in heaven who loves you very, very much. He loves you so much. As Billy Wayne brought our attention to just a few moments ago, around the Lord's Supper, He loves you so much that He would allow His only begotten Son to die for you. That's an incredible love. how, How blessed we truly all are. And it is wonderful to see Marley. It's good to see her parents too. It's always good to see mom and dad doing well. But it's always a special day whenever baby comes to church for the very first time. That's always such an exciting thing. And if you haven't seen this little girl, she is absolutely beautiful. So I would encourage you today to stand a good six feet away and to look over <laughs> into that carrier that they're carrying her in and get a glimpse of this beautiful little girl and we are excited to be able to watch her grow up and be a part of our family here at Rainbow. You know, this this thing that we've been pursuing uh, in this new year of happiness, it, it is, as I've said before, it can be a very elusive thing in, in that so often we find ourselves chasing the wrong things. We, we think that One direction will lead us to happiness in this life when truth be told, more times than not, we find ourselves traveling down paths that just lead to one dead end after dead end. So today, as we continue to find this search for this thing called happiness, true happiness, not by the world standard, but a true everlasting happiness, here is our word for the day. It's a big one, and I am bound to butcher it. Counterintuitive. Now, add that to your vocabulary. All counterintuitive means is it is contrary to your intuition. You may feel a certain way. You may feel like something is right, but in reality, truth be told, it's not. It doesn't feel like I should do this. Or it feels like I should be able to do this. But in reality, truth be told, there is another path. There is a better path. One that seems contrary to your nature. That will lead you truly to happiness. That's what we're going to see today in John chapter 13. That's where we're going to be spending the majority of our time together this morning. And we're going to see a, a very interesting scene unfold, one that is truly counterintuitive to any man's thinking. Because what we are going to see is God in the flesh, Jesus Christ washing feet. Dirty, stinky, smelly, undeserving feet. He's going to wash the feet of sinful men. 
He's going to wash the very feet of the ones that he knows will deny him, that he knows will betray him, that he knows will ultimately fail him. And he does this willingly. In John chapter 13, it says in verse 1, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Here Jesus is about to do something again that is quite mind-boggling. It's very challenging for my simple brain to really wrap itself around some days. He's going to wash the feet of these individuals, not because, not because they deserve to have their feet washed. If anything, they should have been washing His feet. But here He is, God in the flesh, the very Son of God. And He's about to wash the feet of these imperfect men. And why? It's so that they could know. They could understand that, that even though they would fail Him, as we all do, that the love, the love that Jesus had for them was absolutely perfect. A, a love that is, is so hard for us at times to really wrap our minds around and to really appreciate. A love that we may talk about freely, we may sing about freely, but, but to actually stop and, and to understand so that we really appreciate the, the depth of the love that Jesus Christ has, man, it's a powerful thing. And we're about to see an example of His love as He washes their feet during supper when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands and that He had come from God and was going back to God. Now, love is the motivation. Love is the reason that, that Jesus is about to wash their feet. But if you're like me, because you know He's King of Kings. If you're like me, maybe you find yourself saying, how could He do this? I understand that He loved them, but how could He lower Himself to wash their feet? It's because Jesus knew who He was. Jesus understood His purpose. Jesus knew where He had come from, where He was, and where He was going. Jesus actually got it. He, he understood who He was and who He would always be. And because He understood His purpose, He was able, he was able to humble Himself to wash these feet. He rose from supper. He laid aside His outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around His waist. Then He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around Him. I don't know, and maybe, maybe I'm just speaking for myself here, but I, I don't know that we always completely understand or appreciate the significance of what is happening here. I think what can happen... Anytime we get familiar with a, 
a story in the Bible, an account in the life of Christ, unfortunately, it just kind of becomes a story. And over time, we're like, yeah, I know how this goes. I know how the story goes. I know about washing the disciples' feet. That was pretty cool. But, but it doesn't really, and I don't know that it can truly impact us as much as it must have impacted the disciples on that day. What Jesus did, what Jesus did was absolutely humiliating. You know, typically, typically this job would be left for a slave. Someone who worked for whomever uh, owned the home the people may have been eating in. It was a slave's job to come around and to wash these feet. Can you imagine feet? Feet that if they wore shoes, they were sandals. And, and as they walked from place to place, they walked on dirt roads. And they walked outside feet that would have been caked with just dirt, mud, who knows whatever else they may have stepped in along the way. And typically it would have been a slave's job to come about and to wash their feet. They say, why does that, why does that matter? Okay. If you come to my house and you eat around my table, if you have smelly feet, you can probably hide them under my table. I may, I may never know how smelly your feet are. But the tables in the day of Jesus, they weren't like our tables. They were much lower to the ground. And so people would sit on the ground around the table, reclining around the table. I'm sure you remember you've heard that term uh, in other accounts in the life of Jesus. And so these feet then, these feet would have been, well, right here. <laughs> I mean, there, there's no hiding those dirty feet at that point. And so it becomes pretty essential to get those feet clean before we sit down and enjoy a meal. And so again, this is just an essential thing that's got to happen. Nobody's going to want to do it, so the slave of the house can do it. Unless there's not a slave. If the person who owns the house, maybe they're not wealthy enough to have a slave or a servant, well then you know what? Whoever is the low man on the totem pole, the lowest one in the room, that's going to be the person that has to wash everybody's feet. Here's a room full of men with pride-filled hearts and very dirty feet. And they're about to watch as the Son of God goes from man to man and washes their feet. It was a, a scene that was so disturbing for Peter Peter spoke up. He, he was uncomfortable with it. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? You have to kind of hear the, 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 the curiosity, uh, the, 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 the confusion. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. But Lord, you're not washing my feet. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to let you. Do. You're Jesus. You're my Lord. I'm not going to let you wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, What I'm doing you do not understand now. But 
afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I don't wash you, you have no share with me. All of a sudden, Simon Peter, his attitude changes, right? Simon Peter said to him, well, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who's been bathed doesn't need to wash except for his feet, but it's completely clean. And you're clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. Jesus is going to make sure that the disciples, they understand. He's in the shadow of the cross. He knows that His death is imminent. He knows that with that death is going to come a resurrection. A powerful celebration of a resurrection. He knows that that eventually He will be ascending back into heaven. He knows that his, his time with these disciples, these whom He loved so much, these, these men, while they were not perfect, they had been so close to Him and had traveled with Him and, and they had such a bond with them over this past three years on earth. And, and he, he knows that His time is short. And so he, He's not going to take the time here to speak in a parable that they may or may not really understand. He wants to make sure that they get the point. That they really understand why He's washing their feet. When He washed their feet and put on His outer garments and resumed His place, He said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call Me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Master. Jesus is the teacher of all teachers. Jesus is, is the King of kings. And if the King of kings is willing to humble himself and serve, then who do we think we are to think that we ourselves are above serving other people? And then he brings it to this bottom line in verse 7, 17. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you understand what I'm saying, if you know these things, and don't just listen to them, don't just hear them, but actually act upon them, in other words, obey this teaching, then you will be blessed. Then you will truly be happy. So if we will follow the example of Jesus and serve other people, then we will find True happiness. Now you tell me that is not a counterintuitive idea for us. We are not typically a people that just jump at the opportunity uh, of lowering ourselves so that we can serve someone else. But the truth of the matter is, 
happiness, true happiness, not as this world defines happiness, but true, eternal, everlasting happiness is going to come, is going to be found when we finally become servants. You know what? As long as you are all about you, you will continue to be miserable. And you will continue to not be able to grasp this thing we call happiness. And you will chase every dream you can possibly chase. And you will hope that the next thing you get will finally give you happiness. But you're going to keep on finding that that happiness is just so momentary, man. It's, gone, it's there and then it's gone about as quick as you got it. And you're not going to understand why. Why do I keep coming back to feeling so low? Why do I keep coming back to feeling so unhappy? That's the, the word we would normally use. It's because you're consumed with yourself. All you ever think about is you. All you ever think about is what you can get next, what you can do next, what you can experience next. And as long as your thought process is consumed on you and how others have treated you or have not treated you, as long as your thought processes are consumed on you, you will continue to come back to feeling miserable. I know that for most of us, we've all had days like that. We've all had those days where we felt so consumed by ourselves that we found ourselves in that, that, that pit of unhappiness, that pit of, of misery. And I know, I know it seems so counterintuitive. I know that it seems to go completely against uh, the way we have been raised to think that, that we've got to serve someone else. I mean, we have been raised to think that you have got to take care of yourself. You have got to look out for yourself. Because if you don't, you know the rest of the phrase, no one else will. And so we've grown up with that, that type of um, ideology within us. And it, it's created us to be very self-absorbed, whether we realize it or not. And so we continue to chase happiness, but we continue to find ourselves miserable, and we can't see. We can't see that it's because we've fallen in this trap of being so consumed with self. Emptying your life for others. That's what really makes your life full. I think, I know you've had these experiences. Go back with me for just a moment in your mind. And I want you to think about some time in your past. You probably have lots of days like this where you have given of yourself freely to someone else to serve them. You've given of your time. You've given of your talents. You've given of your ability. You have given of yourself to serve someone in some way. And you walked away, if you did it with the right motivation, you walked away the same way that I have, going, man, I was kind of dreading that, but you know what? I feel good. I, I, I probably feel better than they do. I feel like by doing for them, why, why it probably made my day more than it made theirs. 
See, a lot of you shaking your head. You know that experience. You've had those experiences. Maybe you don't know those experiences. Maybe you've been living your life so consumed with yourself for so long, you can't remember the last time that you really gave of yourself to serve someone else, to know the joy, the promised joy that comes from being a servant to others. Your happiness, true happiness, is found in serving not being served. Again, you talk about an absolutely counterintuitive idea when it comes to even our American culture. In our American culture, most people are striving for the American dream and and they have one main purpose in mind. To reach a point economically when they can afford for what? For other people to do for them. I want to have so much that I can just let everybody else do everything for me. It's a goal. It's an aspiration. It's something that so many shoot for. But they don't hear the words of Jesus in Acts 20 and verse 35 where He says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And even when we hear those words, we go, I don't know. Uh, I kind of like the feeling of getting. (laughs) I like the feeling of receiving. But it's because you don't know the joy of giving. You haven't given of yourself enough to know how powerful that that really can be. And it truly is happier, as Jesus would say there in Acts 20.35, happier to give than to receive. The University of Chicago They had a study on the most satisfying careers in America. Who are the happiest workers was what they were ultimately trying to determine. I want to share with you this quote from their finding. They said the most satisfying jobs are mostly professions, especially those involving caring for, teaching, and protecting others. Why is there joy in those jobs? Because they are occupations where people are doing for other people. There are occupations where people are serving other people. So even in one's occupation, they can find true, lasting happiness. <coughs> but why are we this way? It's because God designed you. Now that's really the bottom line. You see, you and I as human beings, we have been designed by a Heavenly Father, a God who loves us very much, A God who is the giver of all good things. And He has designed us to live our life in such a way that we do for others. That we follow the example that He has set for us. In John chapter 13, we we saw this, this amazing example. We see God in the flesh serving. And then what do we see? We see we see this this command, this realization that if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you understand the example that Jesus has set for us in being a servant to others, and if you really want to enjoy a happy new year, then don't ignore the teachings of Jesus any longer. Hear the words of Jesus 
and respond. If you really want 2021 to be a happy new year, then may it be a new year where we serve other people more than we ever have in the past. You, you want to know something? This, this is just my opinion. I think one of the reasons that 2020 was such a miserable year for so many of us in so many different ways is because we found ourselves in situations, whether it was through isolation or whether it was just, just fear of the unknown, but we found ourselves so separated from what we know is life that we've spent a year really not thinking about other people. Not really doing for other people. I mean, we've watched out for our own health and well-being. We've watched out for our family. We, we've watched out, you know, we've, and we've tried to stay away from everybody and everything. And, and in the process, maybe we haven't searched for the opportunities to still be safe, but to continue to serve other people. And maybe over this past year, that's just been a part of our misery, a part of our uncertainty, a part of our unhappiness. We haven't been serving the way Jesus served. We really haven't been following in His footsteps. So if we want this to be a happy new year, then look for those opportunities because they're there. Look for those opportunities to serve. Whether it be within your family or your community or within the church, look for the, those opportunities to serve and take advantage of them. We as children of God's, we are not here to be served. We are not here to live a life of self-absorption. We are here to live a life that freely gives. A life that that puts the interest and the needs of others ahead of ourselves. We're here to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. This morning, maybe as a child of God's, maybe you, you just haven't been serving the way you know you need to. Maybe that's something that you just, from a, a private prayer you have there at your pew, maybe that's a prayer you offer up to God today, or maybe that's something that you would like us as a church family to pray with you and to pray for you about. Or maybe you've never obeyed the gospel of Christ. Maybe you've never been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Listen, the water's ready this morning. May we be the servants that God has called us to be. We can help you in any way. Won't you come as we stand and sing?